Well, good morning, church family. Good morning. Trust that uh, your time this morning, as you had a chance to gather together and to lift your voices, uh, that it was an uh, encouraging thing to your heart and your mind and your soul as we have the privilege uh, to be called God's children uh, to worship Him in spirit and truth this morning. But before we open up the word of God together this morning, let's go ahead and uh, just bow for a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this beautiful Sunday. Uh, we thank you that we can gather together uh, to worship you, that we know what salvation is, uh, that we know that it is through faith and trust in your Son, Jesus Christ alone, uh, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the one that brings us uh, into your presence. Uh, Lord, we do thank you for that, and as we open up your word this morning, may you teach us, may you encourage us, may you challenge us, uh, and give us something to replace uh, those anxious thoughts that uh, can very easily come into our minds and in our hearts on any given day, uh, that you would give us uh, the victory over them. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And we find ourselves uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Uh, just by a very quick way of review, because all of these verses tie together, and uh, we began a couple weeks ago, this is part three of a four-part uh, mini-section of the Sermon on the Mount, as we consider the, the uh, phrase, do not be anxious. Uh, and so far, um, we've taken a look at the first five Reasons why we should never be anxious. For us to understand the uh, the ability, because of the power of God, to be free from being anxious. Uh, and so far, we've taken a look at verse 25, where it says, "Do not be anxious, because God, who is our master, most assuredly provides." Uh, and our text was verse 25, and we uh, came to the conclusion that Jesus' point there was when we worry. We miss the fact that our God always provides. Uh, we took a look at one of his names, Jehovah Jireh, our, uh, our God will provide. And then we moved on to verse 26, uh, where we uh, saw that a second reason is not to be anxious is because God values you, uh, because you have been bought with a price. Uh, you belong to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and because that's the case, we should never worry. Uh, and Jesus' point here is that when we do worry, we hold in low esteem our value as a son or daughter of God. Then we took a look at verse 27, where we got point number three, uh, to do not be anxious because anxiety is counterproductive. Uh, we took a look at the fact that it, it has a negative effect even on our physical bodies, uh, to cause uh, it, uh, problems with our physical bodies through stress and things of that sort. And Jesus' point here was, is when we worry, we forget that God is the one who controls all of life. Uh, that he knows our days because he is the one who numbers them. Uh, and he is the one who will call us home when the time is right. And we took a look at verses 28, 29, and 30 as we looked at point number four uh, last week. Do not be anxious because you are God's eternal child. Uh, that this is only temporary. Uh, that we belong to God and that we are eternal beings, all because Jesus Christ has given us eternal life, the one who is the eternal God. And Jesus' point here is when we do worry, we overlook the fact that we are those eternal beings and act as the world acts and, and not different uh, as those who are eternal uh, beings and enjoying even now 
life, the beginnings of eternal life. Then lastly, point number five came out of verses 31 and 32a. Do not be anxious because anxiety is of this world. Uh, And this is the response that the world has towards all different types of circumstances, all different types of stimuli. And Jesus' point was that when we worry, we do, uh, we are no different than the world around us. Uh, and we should be different uh, because we understand what the peace that passes all understanding is all about. That even when things are outside of our control, our God is always in control. Uh, and so that's where we left off last time. And today we're going to actually finish 6, 7, and 8. Uh, and next week uh, we'll actually take a look at three different phrases out of this text as a whole. Uh, that will give us the ability to overcome anxiety. Uh, and so uh, let's begin by taking a look at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32b. Uh, it says there, uh, well, we'll go ahead and begin with the beginning of verse 32. It says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So, point number six is do not be anxious because your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Do you doubt that this morning? You shouldn't, because our God knows exactly what you need in any given situation, from the point that you were born until the point that you are taken home. God knows exactly what you need, and He gives you what you need, so that we can see uh, actually a few different things that we're going to take a look at Because Jesus' point here is that when we worry, we forget that God is all-knowing. And we're going to take a look at actually the three omnis, uh, omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence for just a few moments. Because as I told you in previous weeks, when we become anxious, when we actually step over that temptation and begin to worry, we have forgotten some aspect of who God is. Uh, And so today, uh, we're here to see that... uh, it's foolish for us to worry over the basic necessities of life when we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever, or everywhere present God. Let me say that again. That was a mouthful. It's foolish for us to worry over the basic necessities of life when we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present God. And that's what we need to remember, uh, because we cannot forget that, uh, that We are not just running around as if God doesn't know what's happening in our lives. He knows exactly what's happening right now. He knows, as we'll find at the end of our text today, what tomorrow will even be like. Uh, And so, let's uh, take a quick uh, walk down, uh, if you want to call it memory lane, for some. Maybe for some of you this will be some new uh, territory if you've been with us in the adult Sunday school. You know, we've been going over the attributes of God. And these are three of God's attributes that when you remember them, when you realize what this means in relation to who God is, it will definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, impact your walk with Him. First is that our God is uh, omniscient. Uh, Because God is all-knowing, He knows everything that we need. So why do we worry? Why do we get anxious? Why do we begin to fear? Why do we try and manipulate and control all different things outside of our control and go down that road when we know that God knows everything that we need at any given time throughout our entire lives? And that's just not me. That's each and every one of you. It's each and every believer on this planet. 
He knows what each and every non-believer on this planet needs. He knows what the birds of the air, uh, what the, the grass needs, what the lily needs, as we take a look at these different things. Listen to what 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 says. It says, But this we shall know, that we are of the truth, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. So there is nothing outside of God's knowledge. He has all knowledge there is. He is the all-knowing God. He is not learning. He is not, you know, developing. He is not taken by surprise uh, because he knows everything. The psalmist says in Psalm 147, 5, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. So this is your heavenly Father, the one whose understanding is beyond measure. So do you think that he understands what you are going through? Absolutely. And that's something that we should see and, and, and embrace and, and have that be, as it were, in a, a, a cold winter day, that warm blanket that just surrounds you so that you can sit down and read a good book. That's how you should envision God's knowledge, that he has you in his arms. And as the one who knows everything, he knows exactly what you need. Because the moment he ceases to know what you need, that he ceases to be all-knowing. He ceases to be omniscient. And he ceases to be God. And that's not who he is. He is omniscient. He knows all. Even the smallest detail of your life. What you may see as insignificant, or, you know, how could God possibly know this about me? Okay, that's the wrong thing to say. He knows every little nuance. He's the one who formed you in your mother's womb. He knitted you together, is what the Hebrew means there. And that same God that knitted you together is the same God who is watching over you, is the one who is all-knowing. And the one who knows every word even before you speak it, as it also tells us in Psalm 139. So don't forget that our God is omniscient. He knows everything that we need. Second is the fact that our God is omnipresent. Or, or the omnipresence of God. Because God is all-present, he is right there in the midst of our need. My need and your need. He is not overwhelmed by Pastor Bill's need. I may think he is, but he's not overwhelmed by it. He's not overwhelmed by each and every one of your needs in this room. He is not overwhelmed by every need of every human being, every created thing, everything that he has uh, in and under his control and his power, he never is overwhelmed with any of it. Listen to what 1 Kings 8.27 says. It says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built? Listen to what the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 23, 23, and 24. He says, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? The rhetorical questions, am I a God at hand? Absolutely. 
He has your hand. He has you in his hand. See, God is not actually far from each one of us. It tells us in the book of Acts chapter 17. So know this, that God is actively present in your life. And that never ceases to be. He is always actively present because God does not change. He is who he is. And the fact that he is omnipresent and he is right there in the midst of your need should be a comfort so that you should never, ever go down the path of worry. And I'm preaching to myself here. I'm not just preaching to you because I get anxious. And I told you, ask my wife, she'll tell you. But third is the omnipotence of God. The fact that he is all-powerful. So we've seen through his omniscience that he knows everything that you need. We've seen through his omnipresence that he is right there in the midst of what you need. Third is that he has the power to give you what you need. See, all three of those work together to give us a beautiful picture of why we should never worry. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. In the, in the final book, this is kind of like the, the, the Alpha and Omega, the capstones, the book, you know, things that give us a full picture of who God is, the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 6, says, Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, or the, all, or the Omnipotent, reigns. So from beginning to end, the book of, of, of God, his, his Bible, His Word, His story, His revelation to us, speaks to his almighty power. So why do we worry? Well, we worry because we forget that God is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. See, almighty means he has uh, an infinite and absolute plenitude of power. Let me say that again. God has an infinite, so that means there's no end to it. It has no limitations. It does not run out. If he gives me some, that doesn't mean he has any less. It's an infinite amount. And it's absolute plenitude of power. It's absolute. No one can take it away from him because he is Almighty God. And that is the same God who is right there and knows everything that you need. And he is right there, uh, as it were, holding your hand. And he has the power to give you what you need right there and right then. See, that is our great Heavenly Father, so there is no need to worry. So do not be anxious because your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Number seven takes us to verse uh, 33. This is a verse you probably have memorized. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So number seven is, Do not be anxious because God's kingdom matters more. God's kingdom matters more. What Jesus is going to point and, and show us this morning here in the seventh point is that when we worry, we are seeking the wrong kingdom. Because it is a kingdom that is of our own making. Because we are trying to, to worry and to fret over something that we should not worry and fret over because
us of who our God is. You know, we've been commanded to not be anxious. And Jesus gives us a twofold remedy right here of what we should do to overcome anxious thoughts and behaviors. The first is to seek his kingdom. What well, does this sound familiar? See, Jesus is even as he's continuing on this sermon, tying in back to when he just gave, you know, a few verses back in Matthew uh, 6, verses 9 through 13, uh, the Lord's Prayer. What do we remember from that in relation to his kingdom? God's first. So guess what? When you are tempted to worry, what do you need to remember? God's first. Not what I'm worried about. His name is holy. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we understand and we see that his name, which exemplifies all that he is, his kingdom, which is an eternal kingdom of righteousness and peace, that his will uh, be done everywhere is done with reverence, eagerness, and recognizing his right to rule, his best for our good, and his creation glorifying him. That whole package coming together for us to see God working in and through us. So first, seek the kingdom of God. Second is seek first his righteousness. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 9 says, The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. And we know from the New Testament that, uh, well actually the entire Bible, that without righteousness we cannot see God. We cannot be in his presence. Matter of fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, it says, But now the righteousness of God had been manifested apart from the law. Because remember, Jesus came not to abolish the law, as we have we found out, but to fulfill the law. Although the law of the prophets bear witness to it. So the, the law of the prophets, the, the word of God, bear testimony to what the law does. And it shows us for who we are. Verse 22 says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So when we worry, we should seek God's kingdom first, because it's not about me. And second is we should seek the righteousness that we have uh, for salvation. We, we've done in, in relation to putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we should continue to pursue righteousness as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Which takes us to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. See, the guarantee of, of all this, of this seventh point, is that the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God will provide what is needed to be an overcomer whether through our life or through our death. So all that we are from beginning to end, this God that is above all things yet stepped down through his Son to, to walk with us, to show us who he is, to send his Son to the cross of Calvary to die so that we may live, was not for the purpose of us worrying and fretting and being anxious over things that God can give us the freedom from. And finally, point number eight comes out of verse 34. It says, Therefore, 
Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So point number eight is do not be anxious because God's got tomorrow. Now we sing the song, I got saved. Well, God's got tomorrow. And we need to understand that. He's lived all of our tomorrows. He is the God that knows everything, that is above everything, that is everywhere uh, and in the midst of our need and is actively working in and through us. So don't go to the place where, you know what, tomorrow's coming and I'm not ready for it because X, Y, and Z is going to happen because I know I'm going to the doctor and I don't know what I'm going to find out when I go to the doctor. Or you know what, my boss was acting squirrely yesterday and I don't know if I'm going to lose my job when I go into work tomorrow. You know, they've been talking about cutbacks and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. We begin to, to get on that train, that train is out of control. And, and what we need to do is to dial it back in and realize in each one of these eight things. And the final one is, is that God's got tomorrow. I don't have to worry about it. The verse starts out saying, therefore. Well, what is the therefore, therefore? To remind us not to be anxious because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. To not be anxious because God's kingdom matters more. Don't be anxious because all that is true. God's got tomorrow. That's what Jesus wants us to understand. The thing that, that probably makes us fear more than anything. We do have immediate anxiousness when we find ourselves in a situation, but most often the anxious thoughts are about what is yet to come. Things that we cannot see, cannot control, and are, are looking for some way to, to rationalize it in our, in our, in our minds. But what's Jesus' point here? When we worry, we cease recognizing the God of eternity. See, God is above time. Uh, he is, is, like I said, He is seeing our past, our present, and our future. Because He is in eternity. He dwells in eternity. And the verse says, each and every day has its own troubles, and only God knows what they are. So, why worry about it? Give it over to God. Let God take care of it. And I can tell you this much, just in case you were wondering... Even if we give God all of our worries, God's not going to worry. Because he's got it. He has the power to, to speak to it. He has the ability to be in the midst of it. And he has the ability to know everything pertaining to it. His understanding is without measure. See, tomorrow will take care of itself because God is eternally in control. That's what we need to remind ourselves. That's what we've got to constantly go back to, is remembering our all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, ever-present God. Listen to this quote by C.H. Spurgeon. He says, Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. So what he's saying here is, is that when we start to worry about tomorrow and everything that tomorrow is going to bring or not bring, what it does today is it, it, it completely zaps me of the strength and the power of Almighty God through the Holy Spirit living in me. To remember everything that I need to remember about who God is and what he's done for me and what he continues to do even when I become anxious and worried. What I need to do is to train myself to remember who God is. 
Let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong with planning for tomorrow. Matter of fact, it's very smart for you to plan for tomorrow. It's good for you to plan even beyond tomorrow. The key is, don't worry about it. Don't get anxious over it. Pray about it. Ask God for direction. Go to Him and say, God, I know you know what I need. God, I know you're right here with me. God, I know you have the ability to give me what I need because you're all-powerful. Show me what I need to see. That's how we need to approach it. That's how we can overcome and, and be free from the monster that's called anxiety. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said. He says, God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows as he has lived all our yesterdays. See, that's a comfort. God is not learning. And that's how he can promise to give us what we need and know that he'll never fail to do so. Because he dwells in eternity as the eternal one. Instead, we must remember what it tells us in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Those should be words of comfort to you today. To know that even when we cross the line of temptation and embrace worry and anxiety and fear, that God's mercy and love are new every day. Now, don't use that as a license to be a uh, slave to the beast of anxiety. Instead, see each day as an opportunity to trust God that much more. To step out in faith and to experience and to taste and see that he is good. So that your, your soul says, therefore I will hope in him. See, we need to trust God for today, tomorrow, and for eternity. Listen to what Isaiah, uh, the prophet said in verse 26, or chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. He says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Did you catch all that? God keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on all the circumstances of life and what's going to happen tomorrow that is outside of my control, and therefore I'm going to just start worrying about it. No. Because mine is stayed on God. That's the key. When you find yourself at the point of temptation to be anxious, to, to step over the line of worry, look to the Lord. Keep your mind in check and stay on Him. Because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You can always build on the foundation of the everlasting rock. He will always be there. He will not be shaken. He is time-tested true, because he is the God above all, the God who is perfect, who is holy, who is just, who is loving, who is merciful, who is gracious who has all power, who has all knowledge, who is everywhere, so that even when we think 
No one's looking. God's right there. Even in our darkest moments, God is there. I close with this quote. Uh, We don't know who wrote it. The guy anonymous, I haven't met him yet. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Listen to those words again. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. Because I'm stopping trusting in God and I'm looking at the circumstances. And the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety because you remember who God is. You remember all those things. And Jesus knew that it was important enough to give you eight reasons why you should not be anxious. He commanded you, do not be anxious. And because of everything that you know to be true about God and what he has revealed to us and who God is, without a shadow of a doubt, should be enough for each and every one of us a lifetime over and then throughout eternity. So are you going to choose to be anxious? Or are you going to change your focus and keep your mind stayed on the God who made you? Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these remaining three truths today, but we thank you that you've got us. Each and every one of us. That you've got tomorrow. That you know what we need because you're right there and you have the power to give us what we need. Power that no one can take from you. And that you use for our benefit and for your glory. Lord, help us to stop dead in our tracks when we find ourselves beginning to go down through those trains of of thoughts and those ruts that we have unfortunately uh, created in our lives to start going down a path that is as if we can never get out of the rut and it just keeps going the same way each and every time. Lord, break that cycle and help us to, to see your glory, to see who you are, and to know that you're right there, ready and able to give us the freedom that we we need. And we will give you the honor and the praise and the glory for it, and we'll pray these things in Jesus' name.